Being drawn to kids' ministry was 100% God-driven. Neither one of us have a teaching background, and we don't have children. I'm an ovarian cancer survivor, and so we weren't blessed with our own kids, and we wondered how the administrator or even parents would react to people who were, you know, not parents, right. teaching their kids. It hasn't made a difference. They just want you to love their kids, and that's the easy part. So what drew me to kids' ministry was the fact that I have kids. I wanted to be a good example for them. I wanted to be able to relate church to my children. The best way that I could do that was to actually get involved. That was me you know, coming in on Sundays, studying, presenting to the class, and explaining what they understood as stories, explaining to them what's true life in a way that they could understand. The last 15 years or so, I have had the wonderful, unique privilege of leading kids' worship. We do lots of praise and worship songs. Many of them do hand motions along with the songs. We also pray over them and pray with them. And most importantly, we teach truths from the Bible. Kids' worship is about so much more than just quality childcare. It's just a beautiful experience to watch children worship God. When I got involved with kids' ministry, it, it's more than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be you show up, you read from the book, and you go home. Uh, what it actually turned into be was relationships. I've been doing this for five years, and I've held relationships for five years with these guys. As I watch some of these kids from the start of the season to when they graduate to the next class, they grow, and they grow right in front of you, intellectually, through the Bible. It's just a very rewarding feeling to watch and, and see that. What is unique here is the focus on children. There's an intense focus on, hey, this whole wing of the church was built for kids because we know there are so many kids with needs and wants and desires to learn about God, to get into their faith. And I think the amount of focus that our church places on the importance of kids' ministry is a tremendous blessing. I would encourage anyone who's interested in children's ministry to come check us out, to come give it a try, to serve, serve one Sunday and to find where it is that God wants you to be and then pour your heart into that ministry. That was supposed to show the next month or so. Uh, but when I saw it this week, I said, if it's at all possible, I need that to be the intro to my sermon. Uh, it's, about, it's about teaching children. It's about raising godly children. And I don't have to tell you the challenge that we face. Of all the challenges that we may face in our community, in our country right now, the greatest challenge of all might be the challenge of raising godly children. That video was made to prompt, to let the Spirit of God prompt you to say, I want to help raise godly children in my family 
in my church. I want to be a part of that. The passage of Scripture that would illustrate that more than any other is what God said to Moses when he brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. These words are so important that from this point on, every Hebrew child was supposed to learn, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Listen to the word of God that it tells us about raising godly children. Moses said, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and your chil- and their children after them. Here are the three generations. That you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. The next two verses are the ones we know so well because we heard Jesus quoting them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There is nothing as important as raising up a godly generation. There is nothing as important for America and for its goodness and its help than raising up a godly generation. And for that to happen, the whole church has to be involved. I'm I'm preaching to a lot of people who either don't have children or don't have children at home. I'm preaching to a lot of people who have never been married. But I want to say to all of us that the call and the challenge is for us as the family of God and the people of God to raise up a generation devoted to God and devoted to holiness before him. This is our call. This is what God has called us to do. Every time I talk about families and children, there are all kinds of people here who were saved after their children left home. And I hear, I wish I had known or done this in the past, or I wish I had raised my children in a different way. That's not the point of this sermon. That's not even close to the point of this sermon. This sermon is not about guilt. 
None of us ever gets it right. Nobody here is a perfect parent, including the guy standing up here preaching. Nobody is perfect. That's not the point. That's not the goal. The goal is to be devoted to God. The goal is to follow God's word, to hear what he says and obey his word. So let's talk today about what every child needs or what every adult needs because it's all the same. And all of us need these things. I've got six of them. The first one is this, and, and it's the first one that came to my mind. It's the first one on my heart. I believe it is the beginning point of everything. Every child needs consistency from the people who are around her or him, the people who are in guiding and instructing, there needs to be consistency. There needs to be consistency at home. There needs to be consistency at church. There needs to be consistency at the world around us, the greater world that we live in. We all need those things. Think about little children who haven't been able to look back on life they need the consistency of understanding what matters and what doesn't matter, what is right and what is wrong, and there needs to be that consistency in doing that. Now, I'd be the first to tell you that raising children is hard, and raising godly children is harder. And being consistent is difficult. Because there are times when, either based on what's happened to us as adults or, or what we just happened, there are times when, when our children will do something and we have a fit and punish them severely. And two days later, they do the same thing and we laugh about it. And that's where I'm coming at with consistency. We need to understand who we are, and we need to spend time with God, and we need to let God impress upon our hearts what matters and what doesn't matter, what, what we need to put the emphasis on and what we need to kind of not, not worry about. We need the consistency that comes, and the consistency that we need is the consistency of being with the church, of, of worshiping with the saints, with being a part of the family of God. And we need to tell children, we need to give them the high things that they need. We need to give them the important things that they need. And we need that consistency of discipline, that consistency of emphasis, that, that consistency that says, I can depend on my mom, my dad, my grandparents. I can depend on them to be the same. Remember who God is? God is consistent. Scripture tells us that. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know that we can count on God. We, we know that, that he doesn't move the goalpost when we're about to score. 
We know that God doesn't change what matters simply because of the things that are going on around us. And children need to know that we're going to be the same because when we're the same, we can be counted on. Every child needs consistency. Every child needs love and support. And every adult, every senior adult, the oldest person in the room needs love and support. The youngest child in the room needs love and support. That hasn't changed. It's not going to change. Every child needs to know that that, some, that when they walk into a room, it lights it up for somebody. Every child needs to know that I am created in the image of God. Every child needs to know that, that I matter to somebody. Every child needs to know that God cares for me and that there are people around me who care for me and that I can depend on them. When I was raising my girls, I tried as they got older, I, I said to them, there may be a time when you don't feel comfortable talking to me. Let me tell you several adults that you could go to to talk. Every child needs to know that people love them and care for them. This week I was uh, talking to someone and they said in our in our Bible reading, we're going through Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And she laughed and said, those can be some hard chapters. And I said, yeah, because there's a great deal of judgment in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And you know why it was there? It was there because the people of Israel did not do these things. They didn't follow the decrees of the Lord. They, they offered their children as sacrifices to pagan gods. How could that ever have been? What an amazing thing that they could do that. Offering their children to pagan gods. And so the judgment of God came against the people of Judah and against the people of Israel. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel talk about that. But, but then I said, but Jeremiah and Ezekiel were special people. And in fact, if you were to read those, and that's about 100 chapters in the two books, but if you were to read Jeremiah, you would see his personality. And in your mind, you would start seeing him. You would see this great character. There is no more wholesome person in all of the Old Testament than Jeremiah the prophet. If you were to look at Ezekiel, you would see a different personality, but you would also see a vibrant personality committed unto God. I, I identify with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, was called to be a prophet as a young man, as a teenager. He said to God, God, I can't do this. I'm only a youth. God said, Jeremiah, don't say you're only a youth. But what I have called you to do, I want you to do. Jeremiah said, I don't have the words to speak. And God said, Jeremiah, open your mouth and I'll put the words in your mouth. Jeremiah said, I'm only a youth. And God said, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I 
knew you. And I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. I look at Jeremiah. How in the world did he do it? Because from the time he was a teenager, I always make him 17, we don't know that. From the time he was a teenager until his death, about 50 years later, so by that time, in that day, Jeremiah would have been quite an old man. For all of his life, he was faithful to God. For all of his life, he proclaimed the word of the Lord. One of the things that happened to Jeremiah, God said to Jeremiah, I'm not going to allow you to marry. And you're going, even that is going to be a message to the people of God. So here's Jeremiah without a loving, supportive wife. Here's Jeremiah that it's as if all the people had turned against him, and yet he is faithful. And you ask, how in the world could that be? Here's what I think. I don't know this. The Bible doesn't tell us. Here's what I think. I think that Jeremiah could never get away from the fact that God believed in him, that God said, Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you, and I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. I believe that God gave him that and that it was everything he needed. Every child here needs that kind of love and support. Every child here needs to know that somebody believes in me, and they believe that I can do it. We become greater people when we know that there are people who believe in us. That leads us to the third thing that every child needs. Every child needs a positive, reassuring person around them. Now, I know that there are a lot of things in life that are negative, and sometimes you have to be negative. I know that sometimes somebody needs to say, I didn't like what you did and I want you to do differently. But almost all of us respond better to a positive word. And every one of us needs to live in a positive environment. So what is my home life, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Every child needs positivity. Every child needs reassurance. Think about the things that children have to go through. Think of all the questions they have. What do you say to them? What do you say when a child loses a parent? What do you say when, when a child loses a classmate? What do you say about those things? Well, every child needs to, to hear the truth. We can't control everything in life, but here's what we're going to do. I want you to know I'm going to do everything in my power to take care of you, and I am not going to leave you, and you can count on me. And moms and dads, 
We need to do everything in our power to be counted on by those people that God has given us to raise up. Part of the reason I want to preach this today is I want want teenagers. I want you to hear. I want you to hear truth. God, what God wants you to do is to be a faithful husband and a faithful wife and godly parents and to raise up godly children. Now, there are going to be all kinds of things you want to do in life. There are going to be all kinds of dreams you have. There are going to be all kinds of stuff that you want to carry out, but there is no greater calling and no greater responsibility than God gives us to raise up godly children. Put it in the back of your minds. This is God's goal for me. And I want to be positive. I want to be reassuring. And I want to be encouraging so that I can help do the things that God did for Jeremiah and the things that God has done for other people. I had a godly mother who quoted Scripture to me at the most opportune times. If it hadn't been that I believe in the Spirit of God, I would have said it was uncanny and it was just, just luck. But she knew how to quote Scripture to me at the times I needed to hear it and the Scripture that I needed to hear. Every child needs love, support, positivity, and reassurance. This is what God created us. God put it within us to need those things and to give us exactly what we need. A fourth thing that every child needs is a real view of life. Now, I love that video because everybody in it used one common word. Now, they may have used many more than one common word. But they all use one common word, and that was the word truth. That they get to teach truth, not just stories, but truth. That they get to tell children what has been true for hundreds of years and what will be true for all eternity. You and I get that responsibility, and we live in a world, I don't have to finish it. You know what the answer is. We live in a world that doesn't give much truth. We live in a world of much falsehood. We live in a world that tries to destroy life, but we do not live in a world that tries to save life and preserve life and do the great things that God wants to do in our lives. You and I need to teach our children what works in life And what doesn't work in life? Because there are a lot of things in life that that don't work. But there are things in life that do work. Look at at verse 3. What what is Moses said? The Lord told me to tell you 
to obey all of the commands, all of the decrees, all of the laws that I've given unto you. And then this is what he says. He says, this is what works in life. Look to verse 3. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey. Why? So that it may go well with you. That works. When you obey God, you get what God has to give in life. When you go on your own, you get what you can do. I'm always wanting to be Dr. Phil with that. How's that working for you? In my life, it doesn't work very well. When I try to do things on my own, I get what I can do. and, And it's pretty hit or miss about what I can do. But when I depend on God and I say, God, what do you want to do? And what does the scripture tell me to do? Then I find something that works in life. What works in a marriage are two people committed to God and willing to persevere and stick it out and to be faithful to God. What works in raising children is to show them the things of God. What works in a community, just think about this. What if everybody around, what if all of your neighbors, when you had this little dispute, what if every one of them treated you like you wanted to be treated and you treated them like they wanted to be treated? What if you took... The literal words of Jesus who says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What if that happened in a classroom all the time? What if that happened in a workplace all the time? You and I need to teach children what works and what doesn't work. And and we need to say something like this. I have learned in life. This is why I've learned. You know, I've had a, made a lot of mistakes. This is what I've learned in life. If I follow God in his ways and seek to obey him and honor him, then what scripture says happens. It, it goes well with me, not perfect with me. You have to tell children the truth. Not everything in life that happens will be what you wanted to happen. Not everything in life will be something that, that is good. Because there's plenty of evil in the world. So we have to tell children the truth. But in ways that, that, that fits where they are in life. But we have to tell them the truth. But I have learned. Live for God and honor God that it goes well with me. L- listen to this. Y- you know the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother, that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you. That sounds like Deuteronomy. It sounds like what God has said. And so most people say that that's exactly what it meant. Honor your father and your mother, have a respect for human beings, have a respect for family, have a respect for the people around you, Honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. And most commentators will say that is spoken to the nation. If there is a nation that honors the family, 
honors marriage, honors the elderly, honors the unborn, that society will last. That's what works. But you go to the New Testament and Paul quoted the same verse. But Paul put a different emphasis. Honor your father and your mother. He's saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment that has a promise connected to it. And the promise is that you may be, live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. But here's the way Paul said, that you may live Long. In other words, generally speaking, your life will be better, healthier, happier, more fulfilling, more significant when you follow the commands of God. And we need to teach our children that. And the best way to teach our children that is to give them a godly example. The best way to influence your coworkers, the people you go to school with, give them, let them see Christ in you. Yeah, they need to hear the gospel because they're not going to believe without hearing the gospel. Paul says that. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without, how shall they believe without hearing? Yes, they need to hear, but they need to see you walking the walk, not perfectly, but seeking to honor God and to follow God. A fifth thing that every child needs is time. And everybody here needs time. Everybody here needs to know that they are important and that they, are, that they matter. Everybody here needs to know that somebody cares about me and that that person has time for me. In a leadership book on leading a church, here, here's what a famous pastor said, but I want to keep it, for, I, don't want, I don't want it to be about pastors, I want it to be about you. He said, he said, learn, he's talking about a pastor, learn to walk slowly through the, the crowd. And just think about that. It means give people time. Well, I want to do that, and I hope I do that, but I want you to do that. There are people who walk in church every week. Maybe you did. I'm going to give church one last chance. Every week, there are people in church who are far away from belief. Maybe, maybe you are. And we need to walk slowly through the crowds, and we need to give people time. But the place we really need to give people time is in our homes, with our children, showing them the things of God. Children are notorious slowpokes. They just don't get rushed for anything. Most of us need to be like them. So, so therefore, we adults have to do a little better planning knowing that our children are going to be slowpokes.
and knowing that they're not going to rush, even if you tell them to rush, even if you tell them to hurry up, even if you tell them to do something else, it's going to be difficult because they are slowpokes and they need time. And we all need time. And our children need to know that they matter to us. There's a sixth thing that every child needs and every adult and everybody in the room. We need to know the God who created us. We need to know the God who knew us before we were formed in the womb. We need to know the God who has always been and always will be. The God in whom there was no beginning, that's the way the Bible says it, and in whom there is no end. If there is a God who didn't have a beginning and a God who doesn't have an end, is there anything more important in life than connecting with that God? We need to let our children, and we need to know a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to know that there is a God upon whom we can count, and he cares for us and loves us deeply. And we need to share that with the people around us. And if you have kids in your house, they need to see it. From you, And by the way, it's okay for you to say, you know, kids, I haven't been all that I should have been, but beginning today, I want to be more than I've ever been for God and for you. There was a family here years ago. I've never told this. There was a family here years ago when they left here, a godly, godly family, but they had had some real struggles. And the boys told me of the day that their dad brought them into the kitchen and they all together, because he had had a problem with alcohol, they all together poured everything they had down the drain. And my guess is those guys will never forget that and the blessing that came with it. You don't have to get everything right. But there does have to be a time in which we say unto God, God, I want to be everything you want me to be, and I want to live for you, and I want to honor you. Children catch godliness. So let them catch it in you. We learn it from other people. We hear the gospel and believe. And so I want to ask you today to, to give your life unto God, to say to God, God, I want you to have my life, and I give it to you, and I trust you, and I follow you. And I want to profess you as my Lord and Savior. I, I pray there will be teenagers today who say, I want to give my life to God, and I want to know what works in life, and I want to follow what works in life. 
And I pray that there will be children today who will publicly profess your faith in Christ. Maybe you, maybe you made a decision at Bible school. Maybe it was a decision two years ago in Bible school, and now you're ready to profess your faith in Christ. I want to ask you to come to the front and talk with our pastors and make that decision for the Lord. I'm going to pray, and at the conclusion of my prayer, it will be time for you to come. Let's stand together and let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us your word. Thank you for the power and the meaning of Scripture. Thank you for Moses and all of those who heard and believed and followed. God, thank you for Jeremiah and Ezekiel, people who have been obedient unto you. God, help us to be like them. And God, I want to pray you would draw people to yourself right now. And they would make important commitments unto you. God, please speak, please draw, please work in our midst. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.